الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الخلق سيدنا سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. اللهم افتح علينا فتحا مبينا وارزقنا رزقا مباركا كريما، اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما. ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار. رب اشرح لنا صدورنا ويسر لنا أمورنا واحلل لنا عقدا من ألسنتنا يقرأ قولنا. ربنا ادخلنا مدخل صدق وأخرجنا مخرج صدق واجعلنا لديك سلطانا وصيرا. اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمه الله تعالى وبركاته. ان شاء الله we'll discuss surah sa'ah today. It's actually on a personal note one of the most beloved surahs to my own heart when being listened to. It's such a rhythmic, powerful rhythmic surah. Um, that has a special rhyme to it, and when you hear it, it really sinks you into the presence of Allah Azza wa Jalla in a very powerful, beautiful, um, melodious way. So I, I just um, was eager to spend time with the surah myself, uh, having had that personal connection to it, and inshallah, looking forward to the opportunity from Allah to just... Uh, share some moments with you in reflection over this incredibly, incredibly intimate surah uh, entitled Saad, a letter, one of those uh, those disjointed, uh, separated letters that Allah be began some surahs with. And overall, this, this surah is also um, referring to an attribute of the Qur'an, just as Surah Yasin refer to this attribute of the Qur'an when Allah took an oath by it at the beginning, Yaseel al-Qur'an al-Hakim, إِنَّكَ لَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ Yaseen, two letters, wal-Qur'an al-Hakim again, by the book of Allah that is full of wisdom. Wisdom, this, this book imparts wisdom to it. Today we're going to see a reference to an attribute of this Qur'an that you and I desperately need. We need wisdom, we need healing, we need mercy. All these are attributes of the Qur'an. Today, Allah Azza wa Jalla is going to speak of it, having this power to remind. So you're going to see this word, dhikra or dhakr, dhikra or dhakr, constant reference to the word dhakr or remind and remember. Remind, remember. All kinds of variations and derivatives of this word are going to be used, sprinkled throughout the surah. And this is really a very important theme. This surah came to the Prophet in the Meccan period, again at the heart of his pain. As he had, as he endured this conflict with, with Quraysh, who were extremely cruel with him. And this is, this is, these are his own people. When they're cruel with you, and the closest amongst your tribe are mistreating you, it's not an easy thing. Because his concern is, again, <coughs> to remind them for their own benefit. And, and they were completely blind. And do you remember the, 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 the description in Surah Yasir? They had a what on their necks, like a yoke. They couldn't see. Couldn't see. But they wouldn't contain their rejection to themselves. They've gone out and harmed him. Allah's, Allah's message to him in the Surah is, again, one of reassurance. Because we need reassurance as we endure our tests. And it was a very hard test for the Prophet As he went through this test, you know, as one goes through a test, they can lose heart. This surah came to really strengthen him and tell him, don't lose heart. 
do not lose heart. This Quran is a Quran that is full of remembrance. All you have to do is remind and you yourself remember. <coughs> because every single human being is prone to error and forgetting that it's not in their power. It's not in the resources. It's not in the strength or the gifts that Allah gives you. Oftentimes we rely and depend on the resources and ask for resources. Resources are significant. But to depend on them and feel that the Savior is the gift of Allah, is the resource of Allah, excuse me, that Allah has given you, that it's in itself is going to deliver you out of your trial, out of your hardship, is what's going to set you free and grant you triumph, is the greatest blunder that human being can commit. That we no longer depend on Allah, we depend on the means, the capacities that Allah gives us, that we forget Allah. Even the Prophet ﷺ had to be reminded that what delivers you, what gives you strength is not the means, is not the resources, is not your own strength. Remember, dhikra, remember, it is Allah throughout. And what you're going to need is two things, dhikra, constant remembrance. We're going to reflect on this concept of remembrance. It's not just somebody sitting in a corner remembering Allah, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha Allah. It turns out that dhikra is a way of life. Consciousness of Allah. Living steadfastly, actually. Living the good life. Doing good deeds. Respecting the elders and respecting one's parents. And being compassionate with one's children. And checking on your neighbor. And helping your masjid. For the sake of Allah. As long as it's for the sake of Allah, it's all forms of the remembrance of Allah. Being good in life. Istiqam, being steadfast, being straight in life, being morally upright, all are forms of remembrance of Allah, as long as you're cautious of Allah. We need to do this while remembering Allah throughout. This is the message of Allah to the Prophet Check yourself. Even the Prophet needed to constantly check himself, check his intentions, check everything, remembering that it's a hands in the hands of Allah. So Allah in this surah is going to strengthen him by recounting stories of prophets who are especially endowed, especially endowed with gifts of Allah, special gifts. Allah has given them incredible authority and power to show them examples, role, role models of people who are given all kinds of resources that could have easily deluded them. Easily what? Deluded them. The riches of life can make us forget. Remember, forget forgetfulness is the opposite of remembrance. You and I forget. We need, it to be, we need to be reminded constantly. Some people think they're above remembrance. They're above being reminded, needing to be reminded. Allah says in this surah, you and I desperately need reminding. They are not. And in the moment when we do not remember, we'll deviate. And our own mind and the distractions of life will entrap us will make us fall exactly like the shaitan. We had gifts from Allah, but fell. In one moment, when he fell into this self-pride, he was so proud of himself, he thought he earned that gift. And he fell. And Allah will refer to the story of Adam at the end of the surah to remind the Prophet and all of us that all it takes is a moment of forgetfulness. So Allah will identify in this surah, in addition to sharing with the Prophet, stories of special prophets 
that were really gifted with capacities and power, they could have easily made them deviate, but they didn't want it. They constantly turned to Allah and made istighfar. Ya Allah, forgive us. Ya Allah, forgive us because we're prone to error. These gifts that you've given us could easily make us fall, just as the shaitan fell. This utter humility is what made them so distinguished. And Allah gave him also an example of a prophet who was stripped of every capacity. He had a lot of capacities and power, then he took it all away. So it was another form of trial. You can be tried with, tested with lots of power, lots of resources. And it's a good thing to have resources, but it's a test. And one can easily misuse it. And it can easily delude the, the person away from Allah as they get busy and intoxicated with their own gifts and with their own resources that they think it's, it's them and they're enjoying it. But also somebody can be tested by having their power completely being stripped away, even their capacity to control their own self, their bodies. And who is that prophet who was stripped of basic bodily abilities? Ayyub is the, the exact opposite of the example of Dawood and Sulaiman in this surah. SubhanAllah. Reminded the Prophet take your test. Whatever it is, whether Allah gives or takes, it's a test of Allah. What do you need? Remembrance of Allah. And remembering that every human being is prone to error. Misjudgment, if it's not Allah's guidance for them to keep them strict. So Dawood and Sulaiman, they'll be referred to in the surah as awabs, as People who constantly turn to Allah, and we'll inshallah reflect on this beautiful concept of Awba. But again, contrasted with who? Contrasted with the previous nations that really deviated and fell into error because of being blind, blinded by light. And Allah will identify the roots of evil in the surah. What is it that makes people rebel, deviate? You know, what is it that makes them fall in this life? fall on their faces in this life. Allah is going to identify two roots of evil and deviance that every single human being is susceptible to experiencing. Every one of us. And inshallah will comment on those as well. And in a nutshell, a beautiful surah that, that lifts the Prophet ﷺ by connecting him to the beautiful role models before. And also setting up a beautiful <laughs> promise of Allah that indeed the truth of the Qur'an, the reminders of the Qur'an shall come true. Every single one of them. We begin, inshallah. Allah begins the surah by uh, the, the, the letter Sa'd, and then an oath, indeed, by the Quran that is full of what? Wisdom. Now, it's an oath. Excuse me, not wisdom. That's Surah Yasin. By the Quran that is, that is that, that, you know, that has this power. This unique quality of what? Dhikr. To constantly remind. Constantly remind. A couple of things, inshallah, uh, that we need to reflect on here. First, the concept of dhikr again. Dhikr in the mind of the average Muslim is limited to what? Someone sitting in the corner or after their salah or in their salah making dhikr of Allah, you know, verbally or in their own heart. SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha Allah, etc. That's what we think dhikr is. This is indeed powerful and desperately needed by the human being to constantly remember Allah with their tongue and their heart and their mind. But does it stop there? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. 
the dhikr of Allah is indeed a dhikr that reminds us of where we came from, where we're going. Dhikr about our life story and the gifts that Allah has given us to be thankful to Him. Dhikr of Allah reminding of taking care of your relationships and fulfilling the duties that you have upon others and your responsibilities and taking care of the trust of Allah. Reminder to be kind with your words to others, it's dhikr. Reminder to be just in your interactions, that's dhikr. Reminder to be good at work when you go to your job and be conscious of Allah and not to trample on others, that's dhikr. To pay the dues of Allah in your time, fulfilling the, the, the you know, your promises and, and, and staying on time, for example, or, or keeping up with, with, with pledges you have with others is a form of dhikr of Allah. Being dutiful to your parents, form of dhikr of Allah. Not being cruel with others, being the dhikr of Allah. All these are dhikrs. And ultimately the dhikr, the memory, the reminder that we're ultimately going back to Allah. The ultimate dhikr. From him we come, to him you return. You see how can one, how one can easily slip? They're making dhikr of Allah after salah, but they step, stand up and they go abuse someone or hurt them with their words. And that smile on their faces, oof, that dhikr had no effect on them. That's why Allah says the, oh, the, the major form of dhikr, which is your salah, the vehicle that allows us to remember Allah. We recite his verses in the salah. We mention forms of remembrance. Subhanallah, subhanarabbi al-azim, subhanarabbi al-ala, right throughout the salah. Allah says, inna salata banha al fahshai wa This salah you just performed that made you conscious of Allah should repel you from what? Fahshai al-munkar, obscenities and things that are evil, that are inappropriate. It should protect us from awful, devious behavior. That indeed, if, if we don't leave our salah as being better people, something was missing in the salah. Which shows us that the message of Allah is about living life while being cautious of Allah. Does it mean divorcing and abandoning life? No, no, no. The believer is upright and conscious and mindful that Allah is in control, that he is ultimately accountable to Allah throughout his day. But is he perfect? Is she perfect? Absolutely not. They're going to forget over and over and over. What Allah says here is that you need reminding so that he can realign. That's why we need the reminder because we human beings capable of making mistakes and blunders and we're going to forget. Sometimes we're going to say good things, sometimes we're going to say awful things. Sometimes we're going to be desperate and pleased with Allah and say, yeah, Allah, give me strength. And sometimes we'll be so proud of ourselves we have all the strength. We think we have all the strength. And forget in a moment. Sometimes we'll be fooled that we think we have knowledge and understanding. And we, we become hasty. We need reminding that indeed, don't be hasty. Remember, it's Allah that you desperately need. Tawakkal Allah, depend on Allah, say Bismillah, and ask for his help. That was, this is the message of this Quran. And, and the message of Allah and Allah saying this Quran possesses this capacity and ability and it has this quality of it reminding you all the time so you and I need what? We need this Quran in our lives. If we don't have this reminding, we're going to forget and fall. Fall on our faces. And be blinded again. This is also an oath. So Allah reminded us that we need reminding. And to be humble to listen to the reminders when they come. And say, how can I benefit from this reminder? It has a message for me. But it's an oath. An oath. 
Allah says, buy the Quran that has this quality of reminding. After an oath, what happens? There's a statement, a claim, right? A fact, a truth that the one who made the oath is going to state, right? By Allah, I, I had a good day yesterday. Right? By Allah, the time changed today. And I'm glad, by the way, so many of you did not. Uh, on this day of the year, I'm always wondering how many people will show up. Because how many people were kind of uh, got had by the time change and are still <laughs> sleeping or missed it, alhamdulillah, very good show up today, despite the time change. But Allah Azza wa states an oath, gives an oath, he's going to have to make a statement afterward about the truth of something. But Allah, you know, this thing is true. Allah says, by the Quran, Remember, by the Quran that is full of wisdom, you're indeed a messenger. That's the statement, right? In this story, you're not going to find an answer to the oath. So Allah says, by the Quran that is full of remembrance, and then he doesn't make a statement. As if to say what? The next statement, the next verse is, But indeed, the kuffar, those who rebel uh, against Allah, they deny his existence, are, in, are exhibit two conditions or two qualities. They're steeped in izzah, self-pride, self-pride, that's quality number one, and shiqaq, deviating or, or, or splintering, you know, schism. Shiqaq is schism. They're constantly deviating and splintering from the path, so to speak. So these are the two, two qualities, but this is not the answer to the oath. So where is the statement, the subject of the oath? It's implied action. Allah is, as if Allah is saying, I swear by the Quran that is full of remembrance, you should conclude on your own what I'm about to say. As if he's saying this. And what is the, what's one conclusion that you can derive and reflect upon in your mind when, you say, when Allah says, by the Quran that is full of remembrance, give me a statement that should be true. In itself, the Quran being a container of reminders, when you reflect upon this, what's one conclusion that you can derive? That A, for example, the human being needs reminding. Indeed, right? By the Quran that is full of remembrance, the human being needs reminding. By the Quran that is full of remembrance, um, you know, Allah is the one. Because one of the reminders of the Quran, in the Quran is that Allah is one. You see how many conclusions you can derive on your own? As if Allah is challenging our minds to say, I'm going to pause here. Tell me what you think I'm going to say. If you're indeed a student of the Quran, who's humble enough to listen to the reminders, one reminder is that there's a day of judgment and accountability. One reminder is that, you know, we're servants of Allah, etc., etc. All kinds of things that should spring to the mind. When Allah says, by the Quran, it is full of remembrance. And he doesn't even state, state it as if to say, I've already stated it enough. But indeed, those who are not learning anything, like the kuffar of Mecca, despite the fact that this Quran comes with beautiful reminders to them night and day to make them better people. Ultimately, it's really a reminder to be better people. We have capacities. We're not living our, our capacities. It's the ultimate tragedy. And our capacity is to be really good and to strive to it. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to make errors. But to constantly strive 
to make use of the gift of Allah and be better. Some people can't. No matter how often they're reminded, and don't we have this experience around us? Sometimes we show it ourselves, that behavior. People remind us, good people around us and otherwise remind us. Say, listen, you, you know, this is you need to do this. And we're we become arrogant and refuse that remark, thinking that we have, we know better. Don't we do that? And how frustrating is it when we advise our children, advise community members, advise family members, people that we love to become better, to do this, do that, not to hurt themselves, and they refuse over and over. It hurts because you know they're hurting themselves. Two conditions that Allah states here that, that will land an oak on someone's neck that they cannot see. So there's a yoke that was described in Surah Yasi. Allah says those who are refusing the reminders and they become rebellious. It's as if they have yokes on their necks so tight and, and, and so long that it pushes their heads up. They cannot see. They cannot see to their right, to their left. They cannot see in front of them. They cannot see behind them. Totally blind. What are the two roots of blindness? Allah says, Izza. Number one, self-pride. You think I'm better? Look at me, I'm strong, powerful I am. How smart, how intelligent, how knowledgeable, how educated. How, how, how? Look at my accomplishments. That you believe that the gifts that you have, the means that you have, are from you, from me. So it's called pride, proud, pride in oneself. And if somebody is proud, so proud, I'm not talking about good form of dignity and pride. No, 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 haughty and arrogant, right? And we know that how, how hideous this behavior is. But when somebody is exhibiting that behavior, do they tend to be aligned with others and humbly sitting with others and listening to them and, you know, being part of a group? Or do they tend to be by themselves and constantly seeking to create their own factions? They say, no, no, no I don't need you guys. I'm going to go create my own thing. I don't need this message, I'll go create this message right here, next one, right? right? Like, I don't need you. As an example, constantly deviating and shifting from the group to create their own thing because they think what? They have the answer, I'm, I'm proud. This behavior is always exhibited by human beings. Within families, you'll see it. Sometimes you see cats in the family, right? Right. And, and never a desire to realign with the best interests of the family because it's driven by pride. So Allah states two conditions here. Pride is number one, and the tendency to split, splinter. Now, sometimes splitting is a good thing; it's not a bad thing. What if, what if the you know the, the group or whatever it is that you're a part of is just bent on awful things? Their 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 the behavior became unhealthy, toxic. Well, you try your best, but after a while, you need to step away. But it's for the sake of Allah, not because I think you know because of uh, intoxication with one's own self sense of pride, right? But how do we know the difference? The humble soul always asks Allah. Who exhibited this behavior? The beginning of the story of creation. Who? Iblis. Iblis, Iblis, it means just to constantly turn oneself on fire and, 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 and splinter, rebel. And his story is mentioned in the surah at the very end splintered, and is splintering away from the path of Allah, not even wanting to align with the angels, even though he is part of the angels. 
as a jinn, he was he was invited to and belong into the company of the angels because of how good he was. Look, notice, he was good. But his goodness got her. His own goodness, your own goodness, my own goodness can get to them, can get to us, can get to our minds and destroy us. When? When we think it's from us and forget it is from Allah. Even though we worship Allah. But we forget that every single thing I have is from Allah. That I have no reason to be proud. That I should humbly ask Allah for, for his forgiveness and enabling me to do my best. That I'm prone to error. Did the shaitan say when he was asked, prostrate to, to Adam with the angels? What did he say? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Let the angels do this, not me. You see splintering, shiqaq. But because of what? Pride. What did it do to him? Make him fall out of the grace of Allah completely. He's expelled, and he, by the way, he's so blind. Did he repent? Well, it was a mistake. Allah says, you can make mistakes. I can make mistakes. Is that a bad thing? It is bad in itself, but with Allah, it's okay. As long as what? You come back. It's okay. Allah, a reference, a description of the best of the prophets of Allah, is not about not making mistakes. It's about constantly returning to Allah. And say, Allah, accept me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Those are the humble souls. Who are not proud and who are not what? Splintering all the time. The shaitan was so blinded by his talk, you know, by his pride that he had this yoke he couldn't see, even though he was in the presence of Allah. Imagine in the presence of Allah. So Allah says, those who refuse the reminders, indeed, they seal their own fate because of their own evil, driven by pride and the tendency to splinter. And then Allah in the next section, remember this is a communication to Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu to, you know, to remind them, don't lose heart. Reminding, remind them, don't worry. These people have, have sealed their own fate. All you have to do is remember who you are, what you're here for, what keeps you steadfast and strong? Allah, 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 right? And remind others of this message. And don't worry. So he takes him back in the next section into the, um, well, comments in the next section about the behavior of Quraysh. And Allah Azza wa is describing in the next section, and he said about Quraysh, they're blind, so they forgot how many nations before them we sealed their faith. We routed them completely because of this behavior. And here they are again, being so blind, they cannot remember people what happened to the nation that just left this earth before them, who exhibited similar behavior of rebelliousness. Right? But Quraysh cannot remember, cannot. Remember, they're not prone to remembering because they're so blinded by what? Pride and power and shikaf. Mm, I, I don't want this path. They want to splinter from it. Now, what kind of pride did they exhibit and how did it manifest? Allah describes it. They started wondering, how can Allah? They're saying, Ajib. They're like, what? What? This man, this human being from us? He's a messenger that receives revelation. Mm, we're better than him. Who is he? 
to be the one receiving revelation. What kind of behavior is that? Who said something similar? Who is he for me to prostrate to him? I'm made of what? Fire. He's clinch. Huh? Here they are. They're being shaitans here. As soon as we say, how come I'm better? It's shaitanic behavior. It's pride. This man is really endowed with a message from the heavens? Revelation? Better than us? Mm, are, are we kidding ourselves here? But do they continue to themselves? No. They were so enraged by this because it's a threat to them, <coughs> to their pride even. Izza, right? We need to maintain our status, our control, our authority over everyone. Who is he to come and challenge this? Right? This structure, this, this social political structure. Right? And who is he? Is he any better than us? That they've gone out because of their blindness to incite everyone in Mecca to turn against them. Because they wanted everybody to align with them. They're splintering and they wanted everybody to be in their camp. But they went, what were they saying to people? Because the message is beautiful. The message of Allah is beautiful. Worship Allah. One. Now, people can easily see this. If they're not being influenced and, and, and pressured. So they went into the you know in front of people, right? In their faces, saying, hey, 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 don't listen to this. Don't listen to this. It's multiple gods. We didn't hear something like this before. In the latter nations, we knew that our fathers worshipped multiple gods. So don't you now start worshipping one. Remember, our fathers didn't do this. So what did they do to the people? They suspended, they pressured them, threatened them, and pressured, and pressured them to not even think. And doesn't that happen in a mob? Mob mentality? Feel with us. If we're angry, you need to be angry. That's called mob mentality. When you're not even capable of feeling on your own, thinking on your own, and what does Allah say that believers should do? That honorable human beings should think. They need to have standards. If everybody else around us loses their standards, it becomes wicked. Do we become wicked to fit in? Isn't that the challenge of our day and age actually throughout? Fitting in. Trying to fit in. That we start to embrace and accept deviant behavior. It's okay as long as they're happy. No, we have to be with wise. It doesn't mean rejection of everything around us. Let us be careful. Make sense? But to start one desiring to fit in at the expense of our own morals and ethics and at the expense of the skills of justice and the expense of the skills of justice. At a minimum, we should wash our hands away. From that behavior, and even the group, if necessary, right? Our hearts need to be in check. Remember, Surah Al-Safat. We need to look up the surahs. What does Allah say? Begins it with Al-Safati, Safat. By the ones that arrange themselves in rank. What's the contrast here? The ones that split. Hmm. You and I need to be aligned in ranks for us to have strength, for us to 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 rise in status and accomplishment in this life for the sake of Allah. We need to be strong as a unit. We need to align ourselves in ranks, just as who? The angels. And we spoke last week of how we're aligned in the masjid to train us to be aligned in life and cooperate and have like be like a you know a, you know a single man, a single woman, right? With one heart to act as such. But what's the next quality? That is essential. 
Zajara. The ones <coughs> who among the interpretations and explanations are the ones who check. Check the evil and check who? Themselves. They're accountable. They say, what did I do wrong here? Oh my God. I, I feel my heart. It's like mm, going the wrong direction here. I'm angry. Why am I angry? Oh, does this please Allah? Oh, I said an awful word to someone. Mm, I shouldn't have done that. Constantly checking themselves. Those who don't check themselves and they say, yeah, I'm not wrong. I'm going to splinter. I'm going to fall. So Allah here says these people were so blinded, they were splintering, they wanted others to separate from this beautiful message and blinded to the point that, you know, that they're not able to think for themselves. And that's a bad thing. Mob mentality, and it was exhibited by them, and Allah recounts their even own arguments and their fabrications against Prophet Muhammad And Allah now, so now Allah's commenting on their behavior and how blinded they are because of their pride, right? And their arrogance and refusal to just listen to the reminder. Then Allah takes the Prophet back to say, don't worry, this behavior, is it new? It's not new. It is not new. Nations before them exhibited this behavior, were rebellious, arrogant, blind by their own evil, and they had yokes on their head, on their necks. And they couldn't see, couldn't listen. They rejected similarly the prophet. So you're going through a test. And messengers before you went through the same test. And it was a very long test. Life is hard. Life is hard. The fact that they're having protracted, long kind of period where they have the upper hand, does that mean they are good? No. The length of the trial or the length of time where the oppressor is having the upper hand is no indication that they are right. This is a test. Test. When Allah strips of someone of ability, it's a test. So now you're physically weak. It's a test. There's a time in which Allah will give you strength. It's a test. But nations before Quraysh exhibited the same behavior. Now what happened to them at the end? They sealed their own faith completely. And indeed, the promise of Allah, the fulfillment of his reminders. He's reminding, you're going to be routed out at the end completely. Taken out completely. What happened to every single nation before them? Tamud, Qawlud, Ashab al-Aqr, the people of Nur, the people of Fir'aun, right? The people of Hud, the people of Ad. What happened to them? All routed out. All of them finished off completely. Same behavior. But Quraysh cannot listen. But now the Prophet is listening so that he's what? Strengthened and doesn't lose heart. So that's section number two. So Allah commented on Quraysh's behavior, linked it to the past. Remember, Quran reminds it has to take us where? Into the past. But also, the Quran reminds us of the interesting. You don't remind about the future, you remind about the past, memory. But it takes us into the future, and we'll see what happens next. But before this, Allah also takes the Prophet into the distant path to remind him of who? Reminder of who? The role models. Who are the role models? Messengers of Allah. And he's going to pay particular attention. So now, I'm going to comment on three particular messengers of Allah. Especially unique. Right? Dawood and Sulaiman, the father and the child, and then Ayyub. Why comment on these? As we said earlier, 
because of the spe special tests that they have received. The first two, the Mood and Sulaiman, what kind of tests did they receive? They were endowed with so much what? Power, authority, vast kingdom. It was a test of Allah Azza wa Now listen how Allah describes it. And this is again a message to the Prophet and all of us as we deal with the riches that Allah presents to us in our lives, as he gives us these gifts, these resources, what should our attitude be? What should we do with the gift that Allah gives us? Allah answers it through the story, the beautiful story, and the commentary on the life of Dawood and Sulaiman reminding us, if you really want to be in here, Allah if you really want to gain that access, special access into the court of Allah, be counted among, you know, as-safat, right? Be in the company of the highest assembly. What should you do? How, how does Allah calculate success? Listen to what Allah said. The Prophet said in verse 17. إِنَّهُ He tells the Prophet, be patient. Number, test. Allah can give and take. Be patient. Endure. Be endure as you deal with what they're saying to you. The attacks and the assaults on you from Quraysh. And what And remember, as you deal with trials, what should you do? Mm. Sit back. Pause. That's why we're supposed to sit down and remember Allah. And start to reflect. When we lose context, we lose heart, by the way. When we lose the context. And let's say we are trying to evaluate the challenges right now. We're yesterday is uh, in the Kashmir fundraiser, right? And um, we're at an event uh, to raise money for a very worthy cause, um, you know, education of the children of Kashmir, because they're deprived of the opportunity to be educated. Now, if you look at these major crises that are happening in the world, and you don't contextualize them, and you see that people are been, their lives are shattered. You can lose heart. So what do we do? Sit back and remember what? The bigger story. That struggles are part of life that we need to do our best. Right? But when you forget and not, not link the story and the struggle to other stories, you start to lose heart. Make sense? So Allah has the here again. He's trying to strengthen all of our hearts and the heart of the Prophet Muhammad and he's telling us, remember that who was blessed with so much, Allah has given him, he says here, to illustrate to you how powerful he was and how beautiful his kingdom was, Allah says, we even made subservient for him what? The mountains. Subdued the mountains to sing the praises of Allah with him in the morning and in the evening. Can you imagine he's walking? He's, he has such a beautiful voice. That was one of the gifts of Allah. Melodious, beautiful voice that reverberates in the horizons and the valleys. And when he sang the praises of Allah, everything heard him and started to echo and sing with him. Can you imagine you're walking? Remember Sulaiman and Surah the Nabi, he heard who? Oh, what a gift of Allah. Dawood, his father, heard the mountains sing with him. Can you imagine you're walking? You're saying, subhanAllah, subhanAllah, and then suddenly hear the tree saying, subhanAllah, with you, in unison. And he heard the mountains, and the mountains responded to him morning and day. Wow. Now, can you imagine now? An ant heard me? 
the mountain is hearing me? What can that do to somebody's mind? Whoa. Only if people would see how special I am. I have special access, right? How quickly can this overwhelm someone and completely shatter them with what? Intoxicate them with what? What was the first fruit of evil? Pride. You become so proud. Look at how awesome I am. Wow. But Allah says about him, why is he special, Dawood? Is it the kingdom? Allah next says, next, just to illustrate you further, and the birds are assembled for him. You know, can you imagine the big, uh, what do they call this? You know, school of fish. What's the collection of birds called? What is it? Flock. Flock. Thank you. Flock of birds. How big is it? Just a regular average flock of birds. Can't count the birds. Can you imagine adding flocks and flocks and flocks of birds? Allah said, we assemble all these flocks for him, they respond to him. Hey, birds come. And suddenly you see big, humongous, tens of thousands of them, flock, you know, birds in this massive flock coming to Dawood doing and executing what he wants them to do. How do we also know that they're executing what he wants them to do? What about this child Sulaiman in Surah Al-Nam? He's aware of every bird. One time he noticed what? And Hutbud was missing. Remember the Hutbud? Was missing. That's how vigilant and meticulous the sun was. They weren't that open. He's aware of everyone because everybody needs to do their job. Do you, don't you think his father was the same way? SubhanAllah. Aware of every one of them. What a blessing is that from Allah? Is that what distinguished them? No. This kingdom is from who? Allah Azawajal. Not from him. But what was special about him? Innahu Allah. When you talk to Prophet Sassan, be patient and remember Dawood, our servant, indeed he was Awab. What is Awab? From Abba. Abba means to return. You know Baba? Abba? You know what it means? Or it means no. Come back. It's really, hey, child, come back. Come back to your source. Baba, Mama. So Abba in Arabic. Abba in Arabic means to return constantly. Alba. And Tawbah. You know Tawbah, we say repentance. What is it about? It's about returning back and saying, please take me back. I messed up. I want you. I need you. That's Tawbah. It's humble. Actually return. And Awba is the same one. Awba means to constantly return. So when someone is given the, the description, the quality of Awab, Awab is someone who constantly what? Sayyidatul constantly returns back. And that's what made him so extraordinary. SubhanAllah, do you and I have that ability? Of course. No matter what our conditions are, if you're constantly returning to Allah, saying, Ya Allah, humble me. Ya Allah, make me steadfast. Ya Allah, I'm prone to error. I need you. It's not my strength. You're Allah. SubhanAllah. And Allah's telling you, what a beautiful invitation. Allah's like, can't you do that? And he's telling this to who? Prophet Muhammad He's saying, endure and constantly return back to me, don't worry. I'll take care of you. Then he gives him an example from the life of Dhamma of how you can be tested even when you're given the best intelligence, the best judgment. Don't you trust your own even judgment sometimes. It's all from Allah Azza wa Allah says about, about Dawood salam, He's telling the Prophet you see this Dawood 
We strengthen his kingdom. Massive, vast kingdom. And we granted him on top of this a better kingdom in his own, within him, internal kingdom. What is it? The kingdom of understanding. Wisdom. Decisive speech. When he thought of something, it was precise. When he judged, he knew how to judge. And he knew how to articulate. And he knew how to, what to say, when to say it. Because he was not only a king, but a judge. And he will kid. And he was a humble servant of Allah. Who gave him that? Allah. Is it him? How often do you know when we praise others for their intelligence? Oh, look at them, they're amazing. It's from Allah. And then we shout out people who don't have that intelligence. Like, how come you're not like your brother? Well, he doesn't have it. This doesn't happen. Remember, Allah can give the capacity, and they give it the capacity. Everybody's different. In their appearances, in their internal abilities, capacities, everything. We have to recognize this. Otherwise, we'll mess up, and we're not going to have judgment. Ability to judge properly anything in this life. Allah's telling us that what I said was given so much. External and internal, you know, kingdom. And he says one day, he was in his private chamber. He had a private chamber. David, Dawood. And when he's in his private chamber, it's, it's, it's surrounded by these big walls and his own home, palace. And nobody can come near. It's completely protected and guarded. So when he was now in the, in, in the, in his time, private time with Allah Azza wa Jal, worshiping Allah, reflecting on Allah as a king, what happens? He says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, Did the news of the, um, of the disputants, the dispute, those people who disputed, who scaled the walls of the chamber, come to you? So what's happened in that story? Allah is describing this incident where he says, apparently a couple of people who had a dispute scaled these high walls somehow. And he was in his private chamber worshipping Allah and suddenly they stepped into his court and they appeared in front of him. What happened to him? He's not expecting anyone. He knows these are heavily guarded chambers. So he was so startled when he saw them. And he actually became terrified. Who are you? What are you doing here? Right? He's like, relax. We had a dispute. He didn't ask them where he came from. He just started presenting their case before the judge. Two disputes. <coughs> so he was in a state of fear. And the disputant said, hey, listen. We have We trampled on each other. So judge between us, they're issuing a reminder, reminder to him. Okay, we're going to present you our case. So judge between us justly and do not be unjust and guide us to the, to the sound judgment, the sound outcome. Then one of them proceeded to talk. One of them you know, kind of cried first. Said, okay, he's my brother, and he has 99 sheep. And I have one sheep. So he said to me, give me your sheep. The one sheep that is one sheep I have. He said, give it to me. And then he used his status of power over me. You know when somebody says, hey, listen, I really like what you have. It would be nice if I had it. And they just, let's say they have special status like here. Like, more respected. Anyway, how do you, what do you, what do you feel? 
sometimes our family members do this to us. Like, ah, oh, such a nice sweater that you have, right? Just like, mm, they want the sweater, right? Or something like, not just praise of the sweater, but they're like hinting they want it. And they might use the, the what? The, 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 the leverage of the relationship, right? The leverage of the relationship, like to just get, I, I know one father, uh, a friend of mine, whenever he gets a car, his father says, hmm, very nice car. I want one. A poor thing is like, keeps getting his dad the same type of car he has. He renewed his car. He asked him to get the same car. They're not cheap cars. It's like, oh, I can't. Like, he's using the leverage of the relationship. He's using the leverage of the relationship. And apparently his status over him is oh, you're cheap. And poor thing is like, but I, but I sheep, one sheep, yeah, I'm He's like, mm, I deserve it better than you. I can make better use of it than you. So they went to Dawood. Now Dawood, what's his background? Was he always a king? Remember, he was a what? Shepherd. But in his childhood, what did he do? He was also, did something amazing, by the way. He was a very simple, humble, poor shepherd. And in one of the wars, what did he do? Slingshot into the head of who? Goliath. And what did he do to Goliath? Finish him off. So he's aware of what? Oppression. Goliath was an oppressive, cruel figure. And he was standing up to him as a child. So he was always aware of what? Oppression and injustice. Now, you just heard this. What would you do? Two people showed up and you're like, has a guy Houses and I have one little tiny home and he was the house. What do you think? So then we jumped into a trance like, oh, this is injustice. He said, This is injustice. He oppressed you and committed a, a, a transgression on you by asking you to give him your only, your one sheep. And indeed, the associates always trample on each other. This is a beautiful rule in life. So Dawood understood it. He said, those who are close to each other always that what? Transgress against each other. Where are the greatest transgressions that happen to us come from? Worst. From who? Here it is. Dawood understood it. The ones closest to you are going to hurt you the most. And Khulafa, the ones who are really, really intimately come and mix with you, associate with you, are the ones that are going to hurt you. You're going to probably hurt them. That's where remembrance is necessary. It's just to ask Allah for guidance in our conduct and behavior with those closest to us, including the friends and community as well. So Allah, and Dawood is stating this. He's saying, see, you're hurting each other because you're associates. You're close to each other, and one of you has oppressed the other. You should not have done this. Then Allah has tells us that, well, Dawood said this. He said, except those, إِلَّا لَذِينَ آمَنُوا عَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ the ones who don't trample on each other are who? The ones who have belief and do good deeds. They're not going to trample on each other, but they're few of them. Only few people don't transgress against each other. Because that's a sign of faith. But then he said, This is an interesting interjection. Allah says, But then Dawood realized that we have tested him 
So he made this istighfar. He said, Ya Allah, forgive me. Oh Allah, forgive me. Oh Allah, forgive me. And fell into sujood. And, 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 uh, and returned back to Allah. What does that have to do with the whole incident? So he's talking to them. He made his judgment. He said, it's, it's an injustice. Then he said, oh my goodness, it's a task. Ya Allah, forgive me. And he made prostration and asked Allah to accept him. Right? There's so many interpretations of this. One of the ones that I don't have a lot of time to go into each and every one of them, but one that stands out says that those were perhaps angels. First of all, it was hard to scale the walls. How did they scale the walls of the, of the palace of the king? Impossible. So it must have been angels who came to do what to Dawood? Now, test him. Where do you think he made a mistake? Did he make a mistake? It was obvious, it's evident, injustice. 99 versus 1. And you're asking me for the one that is mine? He said, that's an obvious injustice. But what was the mistake? Didn't even meant to say this. Hold on. I get, I get you. I feel your pain. But let me listen to your brother. He didn't even do that. But here's what. Such a conscious servant of Allah that he instantly, what? Realized, even in this imaginary scene, the test, Allah sent it to me to remind me, remind, bikra, remind me, oh, as a judge, be careful, Dawood. Because even when you have this vast kingdom and you're exercising good for the sake of Allah, you're doing good things for the sake of Allah, you can still what? Forget and make mistakes in your judgment. If Dawood needed reminding, how about you and me? SubhanAllah. And when he realized he made a mistake in, in just this simple, quick test, what was his reaction? Fell on the floor in frustration. That's why he was special. And Prophet Muhammad was listening to this, like, be careful. Every, everyone is prone to error, misjudgments. Even as they do good, Dawood was doing good and he had good intentions, but it was still a possible misjudgment. So it was a trial to make him better or worse, to make him even a better judge. No one is perfect. We have to constantly strive to be better. And who's going to help us to be better? Allah. And all the tests of life, even a conversation that went back for you, is a test. And a humble reminder, even if you made a mistake, to say, you know what? I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way. The good people, the decent human beings, those connected to Allah constantly remember this and they prostrate to Allah and say, Allah forgive me. And then he says, So we forgave him. And indeed, poor Dawood, because of this beautiful quality that he has, we, we have for him Zulfa wa Husna Zulfa is nearness to Allah. Allah is saying, This is such a good man, good messenger, that. I granted him nearness to me and a beautiful return to me all the time. You know when you have you tell somebody who's so close to you and you love them, like, like my home is your home, anytime. Don't knock on the door, open it. You have special access. So Dawood was so honored with Allah that he had special nearness and a place within the court of Allah anytime. Beautiful return. You can imagine Allah uh, uh, you know, um, promises you and me don't worry, on the day when you return back to me, beautiful return, beautiful spot for you, waiting for you. You, you belong to me. That's how he's talking to Dawood understand because of what? Allah. One quality that, that he, he was distinguished with 
And then Allah reminds him, here's the reminder to Dawood, Ya Dawood, inna ja'allaka khalifatan fil ard. Oh Dawood, we made you a vicegerent, custodian of Allah on this earth. So judge between people what? Justly. This is the this is Allah. Here it is. So Allah is telling him, hey Dawood, we put you here as a custodian, as a steward, constantly seek to justly judge between people and don't follow your own whims and desires. That you would forget about Allah Azza wa Jalla. Anyway. Then Allah Azza wa next said, This man was so good. He had, he had used the resources of Allah so wisely. And his kingdom wasn't for his own benefit. <clears throat> he used it to serve Allah on this earth, serve the creation of Allah, do good on this earth, the gifts that Allah gave us. Our means do good things on this earth, they're good things. We should ask for good things in this life that we can use for the service of Allah, for something bigger than ourselves. That was his legacy. Did Allah cut off his legacy? No, he honored him even more by giving him what? On top of all this, a son who will inherit what? This beautiful kingdom. Why? It's going to be passed on to good hands. Because it's, it's a massive trust. That Allah gave him a son who turned into a prophet, who will inherit this external kingdom, but also what? The internal kingdom of wisdom. Sulaiman, the wise, right? That's the ultimate gift. So Allah gave him a son to extend this legacy because he deserves it. Dawood deserves a son like that who will extend this legacy to, to continue to spread this good on this earth through, through using these gifts for the benefit of creation. So Allah says, So we've given a gift, special gift to David, to Dawood, his son Sulaiman, how beautiful of a servant he is. This is Allah's description of him. Again, he's saying this son was so special because of one quality. What is it? Awab. What is Awab? Constantly return to Allah. He didn't say because of his kingdom. He didn't say because he was awesome. He looked great. He was powerful. Because he constantly, humbly returned back to Allah, like who? Like his father. And then he gives Prophet Muhammad examples of his kingdom. You know how powerful this kingdom was? Right? He's saying to all of us, you don't understand, he could have easily been deluded and seduced by his kingdom. He was so powerful, Allah gave him such power and control over the creation of Allah that when he finished his work during the day, you know, when you retire after a long day of work at night, when you're supposed to go to rest, Sulaiman was in his court, and what did they bring in front of him? The special horses that served where? In his armies. They were all presented. Can you imagine at the end of the day, 7, 8 o'clock, you're done, you're done, you're worn out from your work, and suddenly now you have to, every employee showed up, shows up, to present themselves to you so that you can check them and make sure they're ready for the following day. Every single one of them. Can you do that? Can I do that? Possible. At night? That's his level of consciousness and meticulousness. Remember, he was aware of the hoodhood, the hoopoo, who disappeared. So every night, at the conclusion of the day, all the horses. And what kind of horses are these? Safinatul Jihad. You know that? Have you seen the, like the special horse, the exotic horses? that, you know, like have this special walk for them, like almost like dancing, those are the horses. 
special forces, exotic, part of that cavalry of his armies. And Asafinat are also ones that stand, when they're standing still, they stand on three feet only. And the fourth is what? Raised above, raised minimally above the ground as a sign of pride. Whoa. It's like the 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 Rolls Royces of of tree of, of, of uh, horses, but these are especially powerful horses that can serve in battle. And they all presented themselves in front of Suleiman with the three feet on the ground and one of the hoof, one hoof raised a little bit slightly above as a sign of pride and compliance. Can you imagine the sight? Thousands and thousands of them. Now, that was a sign that invited them to also remember Allah Azza wa well, Again, what would you say? If mm, powerful, like thousand employees showed up in front of me saying, hey boss, we're here for you. Are we all right? Like, what do you need us to do tomorrow? You're like, wow, this is incredible. Look at me, look at my power. So these jihad, and they're such good horses, what does he react to? He says, He says, SubhanAllah, right? I have loved the love of good. Now, I'm going to translate. Allah says, until either the sun or the horses disappeared in the horizon. Now, he says next, bring, her, bring them back to me. And then he started to stroke them on their necks. He said, when they disappeared, they've gone in front of them. He checked them, and he says, bring them back to me. Bring them back to me after they disappeared. And then he started to stroke them. Now, you're going to see multiple interpretations of this. And this, some of it is also like in, in, you know, taken from the biblical tradition. The most common you're going to hear is that Sulaiman was so proud of what he was say, seeing, he missed Salah. He missed the prayer. Right? And then when the horses disappeared, he was so upset. He realized, just as his father realized the mistake, right? He's like, his father said, what? I made, a, I made an error in my judgment. Yeah, Allah, forgive me. So some of the commentators said, oh, similarly, Sulaiman here, in that moment of infatuation with his army and his horses, he was so in love with it, he forgot to remember Allah. So they disappeared, he realized, so he called them back, and he did what to them? To atone for his mistake. What did he do? According to that one interpretation, he, he, he chopped out their necks, killed and sacrificed all the horse. As an atonement, because in the older traditions, you atone for your mistakes by sacrificing something. Now, does that make sense? A prophet of God would atone for his mistake by killing horses? Impossible. Mesh in Arabic means to rub, strong. It doesn't mean cut. I don't know how they, anybody could adopt that interpretation. It's not a true, authentic, absolutely not. Furthest, and Allah doesn't even say that. He says, bring them back to me. Apparently he wanted, you know, when they disappeared, he was still like wanting to check them further and take the time to care for them. Now, anybody who's worked with horses, how do you care for a horse? What do you do to them when you're close to them? Is that true? They love it. I mean, I have cats. Oh my God, they purr for that stroke. The best thing you can give an animal. So anybody who's worked with animals knows they love to be stroked. So he said, bring them back, bring them back. Creation of Allah. This is, I need to care for them. It wasn't enough to just check them, bring them back, and he started to do what? On their necks. Stroke them and on their feet. Because they're getting ready for the for battle tomorrow, so he's caring for them. 
So it was not cruelty, but what? An act of actual compassion towards his, his, the creation that Allah has endowed him to take care of. Also, there's multiple interpretations. I'll wrap up with this. Allah says, and we've indeed tested Sulaiman with this vast authority and power and kingdom. It was a test for him to see if he'd use it for good or not. And he was so meticulous, <coughs> so devoted to serving Allah with the gifts that, that you know, just said, multiple interpretations of this. Allah says, and we've thrown uh, forks on his throne. Now, you can go look at the interpretations, many of them. The one that makes the most sense is that he himself was like a corpse on his own throne. What is a corpse like this? From what? Exhaustion, right? He was so exhausted, he just sit on his throne after such a long day. But did what? Remember Allah. So you know, you're exhausted, you're just done. But when you sit down, you don't say, ah, awful. He was doing what? Ya Allah, forgive me. Ya Allah, strengthen me. Ya Allah, forgive my errors. Ya Allah, enable me to be humble. Does that make sense? That's why he was special. And then the next is, in contrast to the prophets that were endowed with so much power and resources, and they've used it all for what? Something bigger than themselves. They didn't exploit these resources. Right? They were tested by them. They were tested with so much capacity. Allah gave the Prophet an example of a prophet who was tested by what? Taken away from him what? All his capacities. Who? Everybody said. For years, we know he was he fell ill. He lost all of his family members. All, all of his children died. He lost all of his riches for years and years and years. And what was his reaction? Anah. Never ever protesting. Never bitter. Never saying, Allah, you took it all? Oh, God, you took it all? No. It's from Allah. My job is to do what? Trust that when Allah gives, it's a test and it's good. As long as I use it for Allah's sake. And when he takes, it's also to give me. To give me something internal, awareness of Allah, that it's not in the means, that's not what matters. What matters is what we use our capacities for and how much we use them. And whether we constantly return to Allah and seek forgiveness for failing to fulfill the trust, even using my hand, my mind, my knowledge, my ability physical, the riches that Allah has given us, every single thing. And when He takes it away, it's also a task with which we need to respond with Alhamdulillah. And Allah wraps up the surah by commenting on the fate of these messengers and the fate of the righteous Jannah, nearness to Allah, nearness to Allah. They're going to be honored, especially when they return, the ultimate inara, which is the ultimate return to Allah. The ultimate memory of the Quran is that you're going to return. And reminds us of the fate of those who rebelled and splintered and were evil on this earth, then you also have an awful fate as a consequence of their injustices. The, the, the constant, insistent on injustice and on rebelling. And Allah wraps up the surah beautifully by bringing us back to the story of who, who is the root of all, like said the root of all evil, the shaykhah. As if to say, all these behaviors are set in two, are, are, are rooted in two behaviors. This rebelliousness. Self-pride and splintering all the time. And these prophets of Allah exhibited opposite behavior, right? And then wraps up the surah by telling the Prophet Sallallahu tell them who? Quraysh. After all these reminders and reminding him in huwa illa 
ذكر للعالمين ولا تعلمون نبأه بعده. Tell them this is nothing but a reminder for your own benefit, and the Quran is nothing but a reminder. Reflect on it, and if you don't, you shall see with your own eyes and experience the fulfillment of the promise that is made to you in these reminders after Allah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Inshallah. This is, uh, again, so much to reflect on in these stories. And we have, we barely scratch the surface of the stories of Dawood and Sulaiman and Ayyub. But special kind of reflection or special attention given to them in this surah to remind us again of the needs and the riches and the gifts that Allah gives us and how they are tested from Allah Azza wa And the key word is awba and dikra. Dikra, reminder, and awba, return, constantly return, humbly to Allah Azza wa and ask for him to, to forgive and accept. So inshallah, any comments or questions? Doesn't mean that you should. Uh, what is the committee on the, on the prayer of Ishraf? Ishraf is sunrise. Yeah, but the prayer, the prayer, doesn't mean that you should pray the Ishraf on the Yeah, of course. Very good. Excellent. Thanks for um, connecting this to the prayer times. The best prayers are the morning and evening. I mean, all of them. Really. Other prayers in form, but but special attention is given to the morning prayer because it begins the day. And Allah saying is the creation of Allah is worship are worshiping and remembering him at this time and also at the conclusion of your day. So if they are linked, of course, to the to the main prayers of the day. I think if that's is that what you're you no, 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 no. I mean, this is Allah, Allah is saying he's not talking about a prayer here, but he's saying, um, just trying to look at oh, here. They're, they're glorifying doing tasbih, tasbih is subhanallah with them in the morning and in the evening. It's not just restricted to that time, but Allah is highlighting that time. That as the day of work and labor begin with the sunrise. Because he begins his labor with what? Subhanallah. Dikr of Allah. Remembrance of Allah. That even the angel, the, the mountains are doing that with him as he begins his labor of the day. And as he goes to rest at night, concluding, he's still remembering Allah. And these mountains, he's hearing them. They're singing the praises of Allah. That's all it's saying. I mean, he can, of course, derive other insights from it. But. I mean, is the banning to no, it's not. have Ishraq? Yeah. No, 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 not binding. Only Fajr prayer is binding. The other, after Ishraq, you know, our Sunnah, the way of Prophet Muhammad is to pray which is after the sun has risen a certain distance above the horizon, about 10 15 minutes, you can pray all the way until noon. That's the Sunnah, which is really almost Ishraq, but not at the time of Ishraq. So, slightly right after, so that we, we don't to be like worshiping the sun. So there is a prayer, but it's not mandatory prayer. It's a beloved prayer, however, that those who pray it, it receive special gifts, including, um, you know, like the reward of uh, Umrah and Hajj with the Prophet If you join the Jama'ah and then stay on, if you pray Fajr and then stay on, remember Allah until you pray. Imagine, pray Fajr, you sit, remember God, Allah, 
until the rise of the sun, and then you pray to Raka'ah, you shall receive the reward of uh, Hajj and Umrah with Prophet Muhammad We actually have the ability right now, if you make the intention. Because we're sitting in the remembrance of Allah. When we pray Duha now, ask Allah for the reward of uh, Hajj and Umrah with the Prophet And inshallah, Allah will deliver. Sure. There are um, there are three beautiful examples here, uh, which human experience in their life, and we see that. The first example is uh, Prophet Dawood and Prophet Sulaiman Islam. They have given prophethood and a kingdom at the same time. But this is unique. Yes. These are the only two people who got that both that power and the wealth. So we see people with the power and the wealth, how they behave. So here is an example of that, that how we should behave when we have those blessings of Allah. That's the one example, the lesson we could learn. The second example is the Prophet Ayyub The patience, when you have things, when you lose things, when things are taken away from you, how you should behave. Here is an example is given to you that patience is the one. The only thing Prophet Ayyub has left with wisdom and prophethood. Everything was taken away from him. His health was not even, he was even, can move himself. So the third thing is that we always been, you know, persuaded by shaitan. Ablis is around you, what happened to Prophet Adam Islam? We have the lesson there that we have to make sure if we are, you know, Persuaded by the shaitan, and we did something wrong. We need to get back to Allah. That's the the these these three things are in our life. You know, power, wealth, uh, you know, loss, calamity, and also you we, we carried away in the path of shaitan, and we have to return back. That's what Prophet Adam did. So these are the perfect examples of our life. Basically, what we should do that is in the Hawaii. That's what the whole thing. Thank you so much. And beautifully stated uh, the uniqueness of the lives of prophets Dawood and Sulaiman, incredible gifts. And by the way, I forgot to comment on one thing. Sulaiman made a dua in the surah. We didn't have time to go over it. Uh, he said to Allah, Azza wa Jalla, oh Allah, grant me a kingdom. Allah grant me a kingdom that no one can handle after me. Like, not even appropriate or befitting of after, everyone after me. Now, this can be misinterpreted because, like, how would you ask for more? Now, did Allah say, don't ask for more? Allah says, ask for good. But you don't know where the good is. <laughs> this man was so endowed with understanding. He has a vision, it's like Allah gave him into you know understanding. He is the prophet of Allah, that he used the resources that God gave him really for the service, the ultimate service of God Almighty on this world. None of it was for his own benefit. And he understood that if put in the wrong hands, what would happen to this kingdom? Be corrupted completely. And look at oh, we're surrounded by examples of tyrants and despots who abuse the powers given to them. Right and, and and raw people of their rights, etc., etc., etc. And you see the oppression. We see the oppression that happens, the injustices that result from misuse of power, especially at the very top. This man understood this so well, 
and used it solely for Allah's service, and he was constantly returning to Allah and said, Ya Allah, protect it from being taken away. That's number one. Because if it's put in the wrong hands, oh, I'm going to pass away. There will be corruption. So he's asking for Allah to even extend it further so that he continues to do what? Really serve Allah. That's amazing. But he didn't ask for something he knew he couldn't handle. Because Allah gave him that capacity and he knew he could do it. He could do it. Not everybody can do this. Sometimes we ask for things we cannot handle. And this is a very important lesson in life. Whatever Allah's given us, he's just asking us to strive. Do your best. But also it's tragic when we don't work hard to do better. That's tragic. When we become lazy and complacent, that's no excuse to Allah. Allah will not give us the power and the means. But also you see within this story an invitation to reflect on how Islam does not separate life from the hereafter. Make sense? How many of us say, I'm just going to do, you know, work for the hereafter? So I'm going to abandon life. Is that, is that Islam? Furthest from it. Furthest from it. Then why did God put us on earth? To bring the ultimate good on this earth through what? The gifts he gave us. This sort of, by the way, is a reminder to, to you and me for about two things. First, what capacities has God Almighty Allah given you? And, and they're going to be unique to you. Do we understand them? Have we reflected on them? How do you know your capacity? You'll never know your capacity until you try. And how many people are not shying away from extending themselves? In the process of extending yourself to serve, you'll discover your capacities and what you're good at and what you're not good at. But those who are afraid or who are selfish will never discover their capacities or those who are lazy. And it's sad when we even see the young generation not learning, not being inspired, right, by examples to really, really try their best to discover their potentials. I tell you, if you ask me, my unlimited experience Allah has given me, the greatest strategy, if you ask me, what's the greatest strategy? I say unfulfilled potentials. It's the greatest strategy for a young person, a teenager, an older man, woman, who've lived their lives and they never saw their own potential or they misused their gifts. There's nothing Sad because if we fulfill our potentials, it's going to be incredible good on this. Incredible good. And Allah can test us by what? Taking away the capacity. In both cases, it's good. And that's your capacity. Not to even have capacity, you can be incapacitated completely, incapacitated completely and say, Alhamdulillah, that's how I serve Allah right now, by just accepting. Wow, that's amazing from Allah. Amazing lesson. So thanks for pointing that out and reminding us of. And these, these are lessons, again, we are reminded of. How do we apply in our lives? I saw, I had someone, I swear, I'll hear this. Yeah. I don't want to even comment. I don't want to comment. Yeah. I, I look at it that uh, this is how Allah wanted his whole, uh, I don't want to put it in playbook, <laughs> but this is how Allah designed everything. So we'll take a side of the list. Any girls, my understanding, I can be wrong, that we're, they were given duties to do. They were not allowed to, they have choices of things right or wrong. Because if they had a chance mm-hmm. to make a, no, I'm not going to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to secure. So he asked for a favor of what he's going to do. Our prophet came to him. He was not educated. He was poor. So they looked down on him, the courage, you know, they didn't believe what he's going to do. I think in life, it happens normally with us. People, you know, if you're not educated or you're not, you don't have people don't look up to you. So it's part of life. But I think myself 
as an example, taking an inventory of myself all the time. Mm. I remember I was in, when I was in Hajj, we don't pray, salam alaikum. I was sitting there, Zikri, you know, praying, and somebody actually just kicked me like, we don't pray, you know. I found myself getting up to respond, and I went right back down instead of praying. So I take inventory of myself, try to do better, but I'm still hard on myself. So it's a learning process for me. I think it should be a learning process for all of us by going back to the Quran, the stories, the history, yeah. and you know. So for me, I see it. This is how Allah wants wants it for us, but take inventory. To, you know, that's that's yeah. how I look at and it. And it's beautifully stated. You see, in those moments of awa, the moment, see that moment of awareness. By the way, we could have easily slipped, right? It's moment that, that Allah makes it hard able to see that in that moment, I can even be haughty or arrogant or proud and meet evil with evil or oh, I don't need to do that. That is wisdom. That's a gift of awa to Allah. Even in every, in all the interactions, but we're going to make mistakes. And Allah says it's okay. As long as you seek forgiveness, but the amazing thing also, the interesting thing you mentioned or emphasized is the need to take stock of ourselves. Now, how can you take stock of yourself if we're not reminded of what's good and what we need to remember? That's why, as you said, Quran is so important. To constantly reflect on it. Allah says in the surah, it's mubarak. It'll continue to give you, continue to give you, continue to give you. And by the way, whenever we remember Allah and thank Him for the gifts, and thanking Allah for the gifts means action for the gifts. Not just, alhamdulillah, I have a car. Use it for good. Make sense? Allah will increase you. And the Quran will continue to impact you even in more powerful ways because it has barakah in it. Give you more answers. Heal you more. Elevate you more the more that you engage with it. So alhamdulillah that Allah blesses us even with the opportunity to come at least one once a week, at least in our busy schedules to engage further in the Qur'an so that we can get that barakah and that extra fuel and energy and responses from the Qur'an. It's an infinite ocean. You dig deep, it'll give you more. And you'll see the abundance in your life by getting more. All through just moments of remembrance with Allah and engagement with His book. That's why this book is necessary. It's not something that we learn once and we say, I got the reminder. Now that's when we really slip. So I need find one final comment, inshallah. Yeah, in the story of the um, priest, when uh, he said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how can I prostrate to uh, something you created from, mm -hmm. from mud right. and I'm created from, mm -hmm. from fire? So, uh, like we in, in today in life, we still fall in that trap when we say, how can I stand with that person? I have that rank. So it's yes. that right, even. We, we still have to be careful about that in our own life. Absolutely. And how, how pervasive is the issue of racism in general and racist attitudes that such and such will not marry my daughter just because, not because of anything, gifts, education, no, just because of where they're from or something. Like, it's, it's so like, it's really about I'm better. It's not even about just, okay, social cohesion or kind of family cohesion. Sometimes one might have good reasons, but you see these behaviors exhibited in our, in our communities and our families for nothing else but feeling that we're better than somebody else because of skin color, because of family name. And we really say, ah, me being around them, them 
you know, partnering with me, this, that. It's all according to Allah, behavior of the shaitan. And it's, it's rotten. It can really destroy the human being. I've had, let me tell you, quite a discussion in the matches with people who say, I love my one of my kids more than the other, or, you know, I'm like, how can you say, I, I don't know. I said, I can I cannot, I love my kids the same way. They're, all, they're different. But, I mean, people, um, I think the argument is that they love one more than the other. I'm like, you can't, you can't, I don't think I'm wrong, but I, I said, you can't do that. So, uh, as long as they love the youngest child, more it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, please, just, that's justified. <laughs> you know, just kidding. Just kidding. No, we need to be just, however. Do the last one. Yeah, anyway, barakallah, big mail of us, all of you. Jazakallah khairan, may Allah Azza make us among those who remember, who, who love to remember, and you know, may Allah make us among the people of the Quran who are touched and inspired and healed by the Quran. May Allah grant us the ability to use the resources and the gifts that He has given us for His service, to make us among the Allahs, to grant us zulfa, nearness to Him, and husna ma'ab, and a beautiful return to Him in the companionship of the, of the Prophet, of Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allahumma ameen. Next week, Surah Al-Zumar. You know, again, don't miss it. It's really incredibly rich Surah. Uh, we'll reflect on it, inshallah, next week. Until then, inshallah, as-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.